Desperado. What is up, Wrestlelore fans? It is your boy Devo here. And as always, I am joined with... Uh, he is the uh, chair shot to my Mick Foley's head. He mm. is Ethan Sandoval. Ethan, how you doing out there, bud? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing all right. Uh, we are coming uh, hot off of a uh, D&D session today, a little while mm -hmm, ago, mm -hmm. uh, that we did. Something that's going to be coming out here on the Soundstooth Network at some point uh, in the near future. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you guys were listening to that intro song, uh, that was Desperado by the Eagles, because that's what uh, Terry Funk came out to when he wrestled for ECW uh, back in the day. And uh, I played that because, uh, well, we played some Mick Foley before. We played Jay the Snake before. Uh, I guess I could have played uh, Draws' theme, but uh, uh, mm -hmm. we are talking about the 1999... Uh, documentary film by Barry Blaustein or Stein uh, beyond the mat, something that we hadn't hit on before, uh, but uh, mm -hmm. really something that was a little bit ahead of its time, given a darker side mm -hmm. of the, you know, it was the dark side of the ring, but uh, done in a uh, different format back in the day. Uh, and we get a mm -hmm. lot of seminal moments uh, here uh, in this uh, this this movie, this documentary film, uh, and let's just start as we always do. Overall thoughts: What do you got? Uh, I, you know, I thought it was kind of. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a little cheesy. It's definitely 1999 WWF, but uh, I thought it was good. You know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, this is a. Uh, I don't. I was trying to remember uh, what. Uh, it, this the way this whole thing is set up and the way it's narrated and the way that the guy presents the movie or whatever it, it really reeks of that sort of like over the top hollywood producer uh vibe mm -hmm. to it you know and i can't remember the guy's name there used to be a cartoon um but uh, yeah yeah i i don't know if you know what i'm talking about but uh it was, but there's just like that whole, like, and then I saw this baby and that's what we did. Oh yeah. Like just a little bit of that, mm -hmm. like the stereo, the most stereotypical, uh, Hollywood type producer writer thing that you could, uh, kid notorious is what I was talking about. Uh, kid notorious uh -huh. was on comedy central and it featured, uh, Robert Evans, the voices of Robert Evans. So there you go. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, but it, it basically had that same like vibe to it that this whole movie does. Uh, so I guess the best way to just talk about this is to just talk about who it's featuring and kind of what they're they're talking about throughout the thing. And uh, we it's kind of pairs up somewhat well with uh, our episode on Jake the Snake Roberts because Jake the Snake mm -hmm. features prominently. Uh, we definitely see the dark side of Jake the Snake in this uh, this movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So all the stuff that DDP was trying to fix, uh, we get to see that firsthand here uh, in Beyond the Mat. Uh, and in the DDP thing, we saw a lot of Jake the Snake's uh, sons. Uh, didn't really see a lot of the mm -hmm. daughter. And here we get a lot of this daughter, this like Midwestern uh, daughter that he has uh, out there. Um, yeah. Now, like he, he, the whole like setting of this film is that of like, you know, I've loved uh, pro wrestling my whole life, and then 
I decided to mm. send across America to figure out what it's all about, baby. And right. yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, it would have been fun to do, I guess. Depressing to meet some of these, you know, people out there. Yeah. Uh, but hey, you know, hey, it is what it is. Uh, we get classic, classic moments in here, though. Uh, like, boy, I don't even know where to start. Well, well, you pick something and start with it. We'll just talk about it. Like, cause there's, to me, there's like, I think like what, five or six different like individual things that they're really talking about in this, in this movie. Right. Well, well, you know, it, it starts off and they're, they're, they're following Terry Funk mm-hmm. who, yeah. you know, this is, this is like 96 at this point. Cause yeah. the whole thing kind of follows, um, it goes from like 96 to 99. Yeah. That's kind of the, the stretch of time. And, um, he's following Terry Funk who Terry Funk is, he's in his fifties and he's still wrestling. He goes and he wrestles. He follows him wrestling at, um, E at a, at a ECW's barely legal pay-per-view. Yep, it's yep. their first ever pay-per-view. First ever pay-per-view. Talking about how, yeah, talking about how uh, Tom Funk put his body on the line, and Heyman is in corporate shill mode, as he always is. And uh, you get uh, Funk, you know, <laughs> talking about how uh, uh, he, his knees aren't great. Like, one knee isn't in good shape and the other knee is just completely obliterated and uh but he's still wrestling well into his 50s and so it kind of follows him and then we get we get the news that in 1997 funk has announced he is retiring yes yes now i I did love the sort of like uh backstage look at e or at that 1997's ish uh, ecw right where mm. they're in, like, I guess, Heyman's house and they're recording the right. promos and everything. Like, Joey Styles is, like, in front of a ECW banner in Heyman's basement, <laughs> you know? Right. And you just kind of imagine, like, uh, like uh, Paul Heyman's mom is bringing in some cookies <laughs> for the boys. Yeah, something. right, exactly. <laughs> oh, do you boys want some lemonade? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, it's definitely a... You, you, get, you get that feel, and they're, they're, they're building it around, so it's like... You know, there's. I like to think that Paul Heyman's mom sounds exactly like Paul. <laughs> oh God, no. Yeah, yeah, why? Nah, that's Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, but um, uh, uh, but but yeah, no, but like like you said here, like the the threads through here are talking about like sort of trying to make it from the Indies to the WWF. Uh, we mm-hmm. get some scenes about how the WWF makes characters. We get uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. We have the Terry Funk story. Uh, we have Mick Foley, uh, and, and that's mm-hmm. kind of about the the extent of it, I guess, uh, throughout there. But we do get some like little side things here, like this ECW thing, which I rather enjoyed. Um, mm. Where you know it, they do a good job of dr- dramatizing that. Uh, you know, I I always forget that. You know, I think we got this in the first. Uh, AEW pay-per-view that there was where they have those hard time limits, you know, mm-hmm. and you see right. Paul Heyman like saying, Hey, we got to get this match over with because like, we're going to like run out of time on our pay-per-view mm-hmm. and we don't want to like screw up our first pay-per-view. And we, we saw it like, even like, 
back in the day with, uh, you know, WCW pay-per-views, a lot of times where they would end too early and they would just keep running and they just like have to fill time at the very end of it or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I did like that little backstage look, but again, the point here is that Terry Funk is retiring. Now watching this in our 2020, uh, lens, we know that this is hilarious <laughs> because Terry Funk is nowhere near retiring in 1997. No, of course not. Uh, but they will, uh, yeah, he's with ECW and just to give everybody, you know, let everybody know he comes back like after his retirement match. I forget how many days it is after his retirement match that he comes back. It's like 90 days, 70 days or something like that. Uh, well, yeah, what is it? He says he says he's retiring like 1997 will be my last year of wrestling. And then I think in the in the aside, he goes three months later, he was back in the ring. Yeah, it was in September of uh, 1997 that he wrestled the uh, 50 Years of Funk match. And then mm-hmm. uh, in December, on December 29th, he came back to Raw where he debuted as Chainsaw Charlie uh, for the yeah. w- for the WWF. And then he would go to ECW and WCW through 2001 uh, and then would be on the independent circuit from 2000 to 2006. Brief return in 2006 to the WWE for one night stand. Uh, boy, Hall of Fame stuff, you know, and then I is, I don't think he's still wrestling, but uh, <laughs> I think he finally mm. hung it up. Uh, it looks like his last right, yes. match was uh, September 22nd of 2017. So, yeah, nearly 20, you know, a good 10 years or 20 years after uh, he was mm. allegedly retiring from the ring, uh, we still have Terry. So Funk. in his 70s. Yeah, basically. And we, uh, so what they're going to do here a lot with both him and Mick Foley is they are going to sort of focus on like the, you know, well, the title, the beyond the mat, the like, family aspects what's going on with the family at home and like the wives and children being scared about what they're doing uh in the ring and and, you know that's okay i think it's kind of what the documentary is supposed to be so you know Mm -hmm. i get it 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 is uh but it's it's weird to think about this in the context of like 2020 when we know like pretty much everything about pro wrestlers all the time you know Right, yeah. Like, like this is this is still kayfabe era. Even though like kayfabe had started to be mm-hmm. er- eroded at, this is yeah. purely kayfabe that we're dealing with here. And you know, I think he starts off like by saying, "I'm not stupid. I know the matches are predetermined or whatever." And it's just like, okay, were you surprised that the WWF let him have the footage that he got? Not really. I mean. WWF was was hot. Uh, the, you, the, there was a quote in there that really like tells you what time frame this is. Yeah. Uh, where they're talking about merch, they're talking about merch sales and how merch is going. And uh, what is it? Uh, they're like, we're firmly number two. We're as usual. We're neck and neck with South Park. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. That I, I was like, oh, that that is the that perfectly lets you know exactly when this is recorded. Yeah, exactly. Like that, you know, and that's like kind of just like this raunchy era of TV, I guess, you know, that we're, we're dealing with. Uh, and eventually uh, ESP, you know, like ECW will get their TNN deal and, and, and everything like that. Um, so 
But the Terry Funk stuff that they are dealing with uh, will be a through line throughout the uh, the episode, the the, the, the movie here. Um, and uh, I don't know, like it's interesting, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it just kind of is ruined uh, because we know so much about what happens with Terry Funk in the future. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, now. Well, boy, so it's really hard because they keep coming back and forth and back and forth. So it, it's, uh, you know, they, they eventually, they, uh, they, they do this retirement match, the 50 years of funk and mm-hmm. with Bret Hart versus Terry Funk. Right. And, right. Yeah. And, and did Bret win that match or did he win it? Like funk went out on his back. Right. I mean, if yeah, I would yeah. assume Funk yeah. went out on his back, and and we got that whole little side piece there of that guy that had been wrestling uh, in the same territory as Terry. Oh Funk. my God, that that guy sucks. Yeah, he's like, what? So is, much. Yeah, I, I don't want to be there if I'm not part of it or whatever. And then he screws Dennis Stamp. Yeah, Dennis Stamp, and he screws up the count. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like that, I do remember. Like he screws up the count or whatever at the end of the match. Yeah, it's kind of like screwed up so it's like yeah that guy shouldn't have been on the card uh, uh so you know hey whatever uh, terry funk i don't really know i know a lot of people love terry funk he became a hardcore mm-hmm. legend i guess and that's what most people are going to remember him from so like and this, yeah. this does a good job of paying homage to that and showing you the the toll that is put on his family by those matches and everything else so uh, you know, I, I don't think that I came out of this feeling bad or sad or good or happy for Terry Funk. I just came out of a thing like, oh, mm-hmm. I know a little bit more about Terry Funk. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, Terry Funk is Terry Funk. You know, yeah. like, you're never going to. The dude got hit, got kicked by a horse in the middle of a match. So, like, <laughs> he's not. You ever seen that? It's great. I have not. I have oh, not. he's he's. He pile drives someone. They're like fighting on I like his farm or something. They're yeah. fighting on a farm. And he pile drives I wanna say it's Chris Candido. Okay. Uh, in this like stable and then like there's a horse behind him and you see the horse start to get skittish and then Terry Funk like grabs a shovel to go hit Chris Candido and then the horse like leaps up and kicks him hard in the arm and you just hear Terry Funk go to the horse and then keep walking. <laughs> well, hey, you know, um I look, I get I don't know what else you would do with the horse there. I don't know. What would you do? Put him, put... Yeah, well it's just so funny. Yeah. It's just like it's so it's so Terry Funk. Now this, of course, plays into the Terry Funk line and the Mick Foley line kind of crossover because, you know, Mick Foley is 20 yeah. years the junior of Terry Funk, basically. And uh, but they're both making their names as these sort of hardcore wrestlers. And uh, I had forgotten, you know, when you said, hey, but there is a seminal moment in this beyond the mat. I had forgotten what that seminal moment was, which, of course, that seminal mm-hmm. moment is going to be. Uh, something that we've talked about several times, the the culmination of sort of the, the Foley storyline in this movie is the rock mm-hmm. hitting him over the head. Uh, how many times was it again? 11 times. 11 times. Yes, 11 times. 
you know, Foley was set to drop the belt to The Rock, and Foley was a baby face at this time, and it was going to put give mm-hmm. the heel heat to The Rock, and The Rock just kept, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about this numerous, numerous times, but what this show gives you is that mm. perspective of his wife and kids watching it, right? Oh, my God, that shit's rough. Yeah, it's very rough uh, to watch them yeah. watch their... Like, I was I was like, yeah, you might ought to have, uh, let the kids stay at home that day, you know? Right, I'm hoping an I quit match, one of the most brutal matches in the history of the business. I'm going to have my, my five-year-old children watch. Yeah, yeah, no, like... It's, it's, it's absolutely yeah ridiculous that this is what uh, Mick Foley decided to do here with his kids. Yeah, he's talked about it. He's talked about it before, um, saying like, I don't know, man. I thought it was a good idea at the time. Yeah, I don't think it was in retrospect, but hey, lots of things aren't good well, ideas. Yeah, well, there's like right? at this time, you know, this is the, you know, there's that that voicemail from Foley to the movie producer or the movie director where he's like incoherently babbling about calling him from the emergency room. Yeah. I I don't like, you're like, Oh yeah. Now what we, what we get out of this, this Foley storyline in here is I, I mean, I don't think the Foley storyline had much as much to it as the Terry Funk storyline. Other mm-hmm. than the culmination of that big match with the rock and the hits to the head and everything like that. Uh, you know, I just don't, I, as I'm talking about this, I just don't know what the impact of this documentary is. Right. Right. Like, yeah. There is like a weird, like, what was this documentary for? You know? Yeah. Was it meant to. Like, what was the purpose for it? Was it meant to condemn wrestling i i feel like he was just trying to like show who wrestlers were yeah but then he was like i'm gonna pick two of like three of the most ridiculous wrestlers you know like yeah like because he still comes off like liking wrestling but like he's picked wrestlers mm -hmm. that are just like absolutely you know, bad, yeah, bad stories and insane to deal with Mm -hmm. here. Uh, And Mm -hmm. yeah, so that, that's, that's what it's a little weird about it. Cause I just don't get the vibe of like what he's trying to do here. Like I get it. Like if you would ask me, I don't think anybody was looking at Terry Funk and Mick Foley going, yeah, those are good decisions and things that people should be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And conversely, I don't think if anybody knew what was going on with Jake, the snake Roberts at the time that they would be like, yeah, that's, you know, that's the part that's sort of like, it, you know, the, I don't know if it's the saddest part, but it is the like, oh, he used to be headlining, you know, WrestleMania, and now he's wrestling in front of like, you know, a bunch and of like. And is a crack, and is a crack cocaine addict. Yeah, and is a crack cocaine addict, and he's, you know, talking about the, now, I thought it was kind of weird that there were still people in like. 1997 98 or whatever that were just like super gung-ho to get uh jake the snake roberts autograph yeah yeah you know like it's just like oh okay we've got we've got to do this uh like also, yeah also that segment where jake talks about that girl who he brings into the ring with the snake oh yeah and talks about like what her life is gonna be like and you're like what the yeah. fuck are you saying jake 
yeah, we get this like super sad like whole through line of Jake is just delusional, not coming to terms with his drug problems. Yeah. We get the meeting of the daughter, and it's just you know, it's just not like boy, it's just well. There's there's a segment where he like brings this he like after a match, he has his he has this python, yeah, and. He brings this. I don't know. She's like what, maybe sixteen? Could would you guess? Yeah, I couldn't tell. Uh, I mean, she's got that late. Yeah. You know, she could have been sixteen. She could have been twenty-two. You know, she could have. Um, she could have probably won Miss NWO. Yeah. Yeah. And she he brings her into the the ring and takes the the python and like lets her hold it and he's like posing for pictures with her and then he's talking and he's like. You know, she's probably never going to leave this small town, going to end up fat with seven kids. <laughs> and, and you know, this her whole, this is going to be the one thing she remembers for the rest of her life. And you're like, what? Yeah, I really hope it's not, Jake. I hope it really, really isn't. Yeah. And I hope that she, maybe if she did, then she saw the DDP thing and is really happy for you that you've made, you've made men's mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you're back, mm-hmm. you're back doing a lot better than you had before. Uh, yeah, man, it's just so depressing to talk about the Jake the Snake Roberts stuff here because, yeah, yeah, there's just nothing redeeming to it. I mean, it's just, um, mm-hmm. okay, so let, I want to talk about a few of my favorite moments of this. Like, okay, okay, first off, this guy I, becoming friends with New Jack, <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. He's like. Because he's like the most generic white guy. And oh, yeah. He gets, new, he gets New Jack this audition at this, oh at my this God. casting agent. Like, again, if you, oh. were, if you were writing a if you were writing a skit for Talk Show Incorporated, like, oh, man. Pe- people would be like, oh, no, those characters are too hack. Like, that is, like, too stereotypical, too much of a hack. Like, when they have those mm-hmm. two people going back and forth and, like, you know, I, I could see him being a leading man. I was like, in what world is New Jack a leading maybe, man? Maybe not a Denzel, but like Denzel's best friend. Oh, my God. And I love the like name drop of the Denzel. Yeah, we're looking for a, a Denzel type, right? You know, because, well, he's black, <laughs> right? And just the idea of that any movie director, any studio would invest any money into New Jack as their star. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's absurd. And I love that scene of them driving in the convertible, which is just like so stereotypical, like LA, you know, like we're going to drive in this convertible to our, uh, our fancy Hollywood uh, audition here. And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like uh, just that was, I don't know, that was gold. That was like a golden oh, moment yeah. of this thing. Like, if, if that's what this whole, like, video had been, I would have been a very, very happy camper if it was just constantly the adventures mm-hmm. of this super white guy and mm-hmm. New Jack going here, there, and yeah. everywhere in between. So It was very silly. But it wasn't. It was not that. Instead, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we had all those sad parts. But another funny part that I enjoyed was Drozdoff. I was like, he's got a puke. Yes, the the genius of Vince McMahon at work, like mm-hmm. that candid, like this is some good S word, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. Vince McMahon, like oh, we we found out that you can uh oh you can uh, puke on command, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call you puke. <laughs> it's like 
we're gonna call you puke. And like that, yeah, just you know, you got you got hawk, you got animal, and you got puke. Yeah, because uh, those three things are the same, right? Yeah, yeah, hawk, animal, <laughs> puke. Yeah, all right, same. Um, when did when did Drozdov get injured? Uh, not long after. Um, now I will say. I'm looking at the the Wikipedia regarding this. Yeah. And it says that the film mentioned that he gets paralyzed, but it, that's not true. Yeah, I didn't see the that. Film, if it does, it does. The film does not does not mention it. They just say his push it, puke was short-lived. But it, it it's not long. I want to say it's like it is 99. Yeah, that, like uh yeah, um, that he that he had the the incident or whatever. Yeah, uh, what what it, yeah, cor- what it was was Delo was going for a power bomb. Yeah. And he slipped on a piece of ring gear mm. and uh, just botched the power bomb and it broke uh, Draza's neck. And he was a quadriplegic, but I know he has since gained back use of his arms. So yeah. now he is just a paraplegic. Yeah, looking at the. Uh, looking at the, the release date and when that injury was, they would have had to, like, put that in there like a week before it came out. Like he was literally injured like a week before this movie came out uh, or right, two, yeah. two weeks before it came out or whatever. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't do that, but yeah, this the whole. And so I just imagine that that's how Vince creates all wrestlers is just mm-hmm. like, all right, we need someone to fight the big boss, man. You're going to be a criminal and we're going to call you nails. Cause you're tough as nails. Get it. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah, I mean, that's it. That, this is this has been my argument for everyone who says Vince McMahon is a genius. He's not. Oh no, he's no. throwing enough shit at the wall. Something's gonna stick. Vince McMahon is like Oreo cookie flavors, right? Yeah. <laughs> you you make enough of them, and some of them are gonna be bangers. Other ones are gonna be pretty garbage. So yeah, you know, most of them. Yeah, are most be of them are good. I haven't had those tiramisu ones. I'm I'm waiting to try those. Like I think you can only get them mm. in Canada. So I don't know. Like I would love to try those. But yeah, I loved that uh, little story mm. too uh, that was in there. And you know, sad ending to the draws saga. But like just watching the birth of puke is uh, quite mm. uh, quite entertaining to see. Um. Mm. Let's see what. Oh, the the two dudes, the uh, un, the the indie wrestling promotion. Uh, see. Oh yeah, Mike Modest and Tony Jones. Mike Modest and Tony Jones, uh, and uh, oh, so here we go. Uh, Tony Mike Modest was in Ready to Rumble. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was in another thing that we have to do uh, one day on here. Uh, which is uh, Exposed, Pro Wrestling's Greatest Secrets. It oh, is yeah, I've watched that. Really, that re- great. really, really dumb. <laughs> it is really, really it's, dumb. It's uh, narrated by um, the voice of Salem the Cat from Sabrina. Oh, that's something. Uh, now, I don't remember... Uh, I don't remember what the name of the indie promotion was in the movie. Um, oh yeah. It's like, it's some like, it's, it's so bad. I, I don't, I, I literally heard it and went, Bleh, and then just tuned it out for the rest of the film. 
I want to say, oh, wait, maybe it's all pro wrestling, I think, is maybe what it is. Something like that. But uh, I don't think I think it was I think it was worse, but well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Like uh, it says uh, Tony Jones wrestled for all pro wrestling, ultimate pro wrestling and extreme pro wrestling. Uh, So I don't really know. But the guy that was uh, in. Oh, my God. He's such a caricature. Oh, yeah. Like. Show me a shitty promoter, and then it's this guy. But, like, it's, like, this guy, but, like, show me a shitty promoter with no money. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He's got, like, the fake chains. He's as as wide as he is tall. Oh, yeah. like four foot nothing. He looks like he very much came from, uh, like, straight, like, he got off those. He looks like um, um, Danny DeVito's character in Hercules, Phil the Seder. <laughs> <laughs> to me, he just looks like he got straight off like the New Jersey Express to California, <laughs> right? Yeah, like he's, he's ugh. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it is, it's whatever. But like, yeah, that guy is just so stereotypical. And like just seeing these two guys and I like the clearly this is not how this happens anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this, the whole like thing that's posited here. And this is mm-hmm. before WWE has, I, I mean, I'm sure they had like, when was like OPW and all that like around they had, they had like, oh, o- OVW, OVW. Yeah. Was like, that was like 99, 2000 ish. Yeah, so the uh, I was I was seeing if I could find the name of that promoter guy, uh, mm. Ed Beckley. Ed yeah. Beckley. And we're talking go. about we're talking about Ohio Valley Wrestling. Yeah, OVW. Yeah, OVW, which was yeah. before it was NXT before NXT. Well, there was there was Ohio Valley Wrestling and Florida Championship Wrestling, right? Those were the two. Yeah, uh, yeah it was OVW and FCW. And like FCW is where you got Roman from, and OVW is where you got like Brock from. Okay, yeah, it says okay right here. OVW uh, had been around since 1993, but it was part of the NWA, uh, National Wrestling Alliance, and then it became the primary development territory for WWE from 2000 to 2008. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was you know, and I, I'm guessing it's uh, still around. Uh, today uh yep still is i don't know what they're sort of doing uh now um they have they have a uh show that debuted on yeah ovw you got a lot of guys from that you got brock you got uh the boogeyman you got santino um well more than a few guys i'm looking at i'm looking at notable alumni here and these are people that yeah. just wrestled there, but you got Abyss, Batista, Beth Phoenix, Big Show, Bobby Lashley, The Boogeyman, Brock Lesnar, Charlie Haas, CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, just to name a few. Some other mm-hmm. major standouts, uh, I guess The Miz cut his teeth there, uh, Kofi mm-hmm. Kingston, Kelly Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, John Chena was uh, there as well. Uh, Ra, uh, Randy Orton, I was going to say Rene Dupree, but that's who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ruby Riot, Santino Morella, and uh, I know, I know Big Show was wrestling in the WWF, then they were like, Go to OVW yeah. to, to do better. 
Yeah. So they took him to OVW for a few months and then brought him back at a rumble. Yeah, and I think that same thing happened kind of to Mark Henry, too, where he they sent him down to lose weight, right? I believe yeah. is what they did. Uh, and then FCW, which is what went defunct and became in NXT, basically. Um, right. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, some of the newer alumni. Uh, Cesaro, uh, guys like... Uh, you know, Dolph Ziggler had wrestled there. Drew McIntyre, uh, the world's greatest champion, Jinder Mahal. Uh, you know, you mm. mentioned Roman Reigns, Rusev, Sheamus, those type of guys. So, but a lot of crossover between OVW and FCW. But what, what I'm mm. getting to, long-winded way of saying this, is uh, that those that the idea of having a developmental territory for the WWF did not exist necessarily during this period. Right. The WWF yeah, was what, like, yeah. What would happen? Essentially, what happens in this, in this video or in this it's this documentary, and what would happen before this? I mean, which w- was the standard practice, but well into the eighties. Yeah, was uh, you had a new guy, you wanted to try him out, so you put him in a dark match at the beginning of the show, or at the very end of the show to try to you know warm up the crowd um normally so it's normally at the beginning but sometimes you do it at the end but just see it's a tryout match you have them wrestle another no name usually and see what they can do if you like what you see from both of them then you bring them into the you put them into a program really and you know like and and we get that like those back scenes and it's almost the same like shtick as mm-hmm. the the talent agents or whatever but mm-hmm. i mean i guess that you know it is more maybe realistic because you get jr mm-hmm. giving his comments and you, and you wonder how much of those comments are being skewed by the fact that it's being recorded you know right where normally it wouldn't and the you know the promoter guy here has a lot riding on these two dudes getting a contract because he gets a good chunk of their contract as he's their agent or whatever um, mm-hmm. Which is just a grease ball sort of move as well <laughs> uh, yeah. to, th- to think about it. I, I mean, as, as bad as WWE can be, you know, it's probably a little bit better. I'm sure wrestlers still have agents, but like it's not as uh, bad as trying to get some greasy promoter to to uh, to get you to uh, get, you know, take mm-hmm. take off 20 percent off the top of whatever you're going to get mm-hmm. like of the two guys, you know, the. uh the one Mr. Michael, Michael modest or whatever. I was mm-hmm. like, this guy could have been mid card enhancement talent. Maybe. Right. right. Yeah. He didn't have a lot, you know, he's small. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, that's not to be like, you know, small wrestlers just in the era he was in, he wouldn't have done well. Yeah. And, it's, and it's hard to know his, t- like, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why you're kind of like, well, he does kind of seem like he would have fit better maybe in the WCW around that time. Right. Because they had mm-hmm. like guys that size, you know, you had your Dean Malenko's and and people like that mm-hmm. that were that were wrestling there. So but you know, it is kind of interesting we don't get any WCW stuff here, do we? I don't think well, so. Well, I was actually looking WCW refused to participate in the film. Oh, okay. So then that yeah, here, here's here's the little snippet I will read. WCW refused to participate in the film. Blauenstein approached the WWF about involving the company in the film in 1997. Vince McMahon originally allowed Blauenstein 
full access to behind-the-scenes aspects of his company, but later tried to pull out of the deal. Okay, well, that, that makes sense then. Uh, let's see, Mike Modest tried out a match for WWF and WCW and eventually got signed to a WCW contract, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but he was released when the WWF bought WCW. <laughs> so right, yeah. just didn't want anything. He did work for Pro Wrestling Noah, uh, had some work for Stampede Wrestling and things like that. But yeah, not not a whole lot of a career uh, for him. But it was one of those things like I think if he either needed to be a little bit bigger, obviously, for Vince, or mm-hmm. not be going bald, right? Uh, like I think he needed like a, a better looking head of hair on him maybe. And that would have... The other guy just didn't seem like he had the moves in the ring. He just seemed kind of awkward and lanky or whatever. He kind of wa- it kind of reminded me of watching Carl Malone try to wrestle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which, um, which if you, if you so, haven't seen it is not very good. No, it's true. Well, yeah, he's just tall. He's not. You can tell he's kind of. You can tell he's green. Um, you know, and he he doesn't really know how to use his body to its full potential. Um. But uh, there is, I was just looking at like the the critics uh, and what they say about this film. And uh, here's here's uh, one thing. Uh, Paul Tatara of CNN wrote, Blaustein seems to think that he's humanizing these guys by showing how normal they are out of the ring. But he unintentionally makes their penchant for self-mutilation all the more inexplicable. <laughs> there are a couple of laughs. In the movie, but the overall effect is it is much more depressing than it is humorous. And then, uh, let's see, uh, it won a, the best documentary at the Cinequest Film Festival. And it the book, The 100 Best Movies You've Never Seen, includes Beyond the Mat in its list, declaring that it works on an almost Shakespearean level. Okay... Uh, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna guess if I uh, that Cinequest thing, uh, and you know I looked at one of those wrestling promotions on there, and it was based out of San Jose, California, and that Cinequest yeah. is based out of San Jose, California. So something's telling mm-hmm. me that maybe Blaustein lives in San Jose, California, mm-hmm. and maybe. Yeah. Also, yeah. do you want to know the tagline for this movie? Uh, what was the tagline? The Be- movie Vince McMahon didn't want you to see. Oh, because. After viewing the film, McMahon removed all advertising for it from WWF broadcasts. Oh. Uh, As a result, Lionsgate, considered filing a lawsuit, spokespeople for the WWF, however, stated that the advertising was pulled because of a policy against advertising for other wrestling companies or ventures. Well, there you go. Uh, there was, uh, I think one other part in the movie with the China was in there briefly, I believe. Yeah. Where they, they talk briefly to China, how like China's mom really wanted China to be like a girly girl. Yeah. And then, but China just decided to work out and be, you know, get into shape, even though she is somewhat a girly girl. Um, yes, and she got, and, then, and they talk about how she got reconstructive surgery to be more feminine or whatever. And yes, she did. Yeah, uh, and that you know that that were that was part of that. Uh, boy, yeah. Um, what what am I missing on this? Like, 
I, I, I just don't know where, where we're, what, what else do we have that we can milk out of this? Like, I, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I, oh my God, what am I forgetting? No, this okay. is not the, in 2014, Dennis Stamp published a book about his wrestling days titled The Stamp Collection, oh, a collection nice. of short stories from the world's most famous unknown wrestler. Nice. Good job. Good job. Uh, yeah, um, uh, he passed away in 2017 of lymphoma and was posthumously inducted into the Amarillo Pioneer Hall of Fame. Yeah. But, I mean, so here's the thing, guys. I don't know that I... I I don't think anyone needs to watch this. I got to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. It's such common knowledge. Yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, box office-wise, it costs $500,000 to make and apparently made $2 million. Mm-hmm. So made some money, but I think there's a better way to spend an hour and two minutes of your, of your day, <laughs> you know, a hundred, a hundred and two minutes of your day. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I, I just don't know, man. Like I just, it's kind of neat to see some, you know, the, the, the highlights to me are, I'm pretty sure that you could just see YouTube highlights of, I would say if you could find YouTube highlights or if you got to get to the scenes, the new Jack stuff is funny. Watching Vince do the puke stuff is funny. And I kind of like seeing how old school ECW was ran. But outside of that, I don't really have a whole lot for it. Right. Yeah. So, boy, I don't know. Yeah, I hope we're not. Hope none of you guys are super fans of Beyond the Mat out there. We're just raining on y'all's parade right now. But I don't know. I just, I just didn't think it was a. Uh, I thought, you know, if you're going to watch one of the two that we've reviewed in the last few weeks, uh, I would say the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts is much better. Uh, yeah, oh, than, yeah, absolutely. Than this, because it kind of shows you, you know, it's a more uplifting story to say the least. So, yeah, uh, boy, uh, Ethan, you got anything else? I know it's a little bit of a shorter episode, but I just don't really have much else to say about this, bud. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's a thing that happened, but like not much happened, you know? It's a thing like, that can happen, but not much happened. That's a pretty good I mean, way to sum is, it up. Oh, I will say there is one really funny. <laughs> it's not even funny. It's just really just so jarring, the switch in tone. So they go from filming Jake the Snake while he's on crack. They're filming him, and he's talking. Yeah. And then it fades to black. And there's like this like trippy, dark, ambient music. And then it fades to black. And then all of a sudden, like this circus music comes up to and it's a shot of Mick Foley just walking down a walking down a hallway. <laughs> and it's just like you're just like, what the fuck? It's like total whiplash. You're just like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, it's very Yeah, I don't know. That's that's well, you know, that's Shakespearean for you right there. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed, Shakespearean. Well, Ethan, I think we can wrap this one up. Uh, I know you've got something that's going to be coming out pretty soon on the Sounds Tooth Network. You want to tell people what that is? Yes, yes, I do. We're doing the Knights of the Sound Table, which is uh, involving uh, lots of lovely people from the talk show network. 
and it's myself as the dungeon master, and then it is Quinn Blakely, Landry Miller, D- uh, Doctor Devo. Yeah. Uh, here we got uh, Laura Cook, we got Forrest Hatfield, we got Jacob Hatfield, and we got Sierra Parsons, and we're all just playing a, a homebrew D and D campaign that I'm writing up myself. And if and I will say this: if you are a pro wrestling fan, uh, and uh, uh, you know, there's a, a uh, I'll, I'll give a couple, a couple plugs here. Uh, one for, for nights of the sound table, because I know there's a lot of crossover between pro wrestling and, um, D and D, but, uh, I've never played it before. So this is my first time, a lot of people's first time. So, you know, you can mm-hmm. listen to our struggles of learning how to play this game. Uh, <laughs> if you are a D and D pro, you might hate it, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of, I mean, I'm, you know, there's a lot of uh, new people and a lot of people who've played once 10 years ago. Yeah, so, you know, like, but uh, you can struggle along with us. And I will say, if you do like D&D and you are a pro at D&D, I would recommend uh, there's a YouTube network channel called uh, Parts Fun Known. It's ran by WrestleTalk, mm-hmm. and they have a D&D version of pro wrestling called No Rolls Barred. That you can watch, yeah. and uh, as you have been doing the D and D stuff, it immediately to me was like, oh yeah, I can see exactly how you could do this and book like fictional matches and pay per views and things like that. So, right, yeah. yeah, like it wouldn't be, it's not too much of a stretch to do that. So, so yeah, yeah. so uh, those things you can check out. Uh, no, you know, you could talk check out Talk Show Incorporated uh, here and there on. Uh, Soundstooth uh, now.com and the Facebook.com slash uh, talk show inc. Facebook.com slash Soundstooth. You can hit us up at the WrestleLore uh, Facebook page. Send us a message. Let us know if there's something you want us to watch out there. Uh, you know, it's kind of been a, it's a little tough with these uh, COVID times of coming up with some stuff here and there. So suggestions are welcome, guys. Suggestions are welcome. Oh, yeah. Because we don't have as much good live content to talk about out there right now. Uh, but we hope everybody is still staying safe. And uh, Ethan, any final part and words for everybody? Uh, wear a mask. Yep, mask up. If uh, Ray Mysterio can do it, and uh, Grand Metal Leak can do it, and oh, any other, if you know Jushin Thunder Liger can do it, what you know, we can mm. wear masks, and it's all not going to be too bad. So mm. for wrestle, if Big oh, Van Vader, if Big can Van do Vader, it. that mask I don't think is going to do much. I I would not wear the Big Van Vader. Oh, mask. I was talking more so about the elephant. Oh, mask. the helmet. Yeah, okay. If you want to wear his helmet, that's fine, but not the mask that you know. You know, that had to be in that mask versus mask match for some reason. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, guys, for the Wrestler Podcast, I am Devo and my cohort is Ethan Sandoval. Check us out online. We love and appreciate you. And as always, be safe and make good decisions. Bye bye.